In the name of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So as the Cajun cruise ship plied the waters of the Gulf of Mexico, all of the communications and navigation equipment on the bridge lost power. And after many hours of unsuccessfully trying to restore power, my old friend Captain Boudreaux called all of the passengers and the crew out onto the deck for an announcement. He said, man, I got some good news and I got some bad news too. And he said, first, the bad news is we hopelessly lost at sea. The crowd gasped with fear and surprise. And when things quieted down, passenger Robichaud yelled out, if that's the bad news, what kind of good news you got? Well, smiling with confidence, Captain Boudreaux announced, the good news is we making good time? Yeah. Well, today's gospel lesson is a story that contains some extremely good news. And it's a story that contains news that may seem to temper that good news. And when the word spreads of John the Baptist proclaiming that the Savior, promised by the prophet Isaiah, is soon to come, crowds flock to where John is offering a baptism of repentance and forgiveness. These people whom I would expect came to John with great joy and anticipation are greeted with John calling them a brood of vipers trying to escape the wrath to come. It seems that they believe that baptism alone is all that's needed to be forgiven of their sins so that they may be cleansed upon the arrival of the coming Savior. Well, John goes on to tell them that they must bear fruits worthy of repentance and that they must do good works. In other words, John is saying that for someone to be forgiven requires more than simply being baptized or claiming that one is a descendant of Abraham. Neither the ritual of baptism nor the birth lineage can substitute for repentance and changing one's life. So the three groups mentioned in the story, the crowds, the tax collectors, and the soldiers, each ask in turn what it is that they must do. And John gives each group concrete examples of how they are to reform their lives. All three of the answers that John gives calls for an end to a lifestyle based on greed and the accumulation of material possessions. The crowd is told to share with those who have less. The tax collectors are told to treat people fairly and to not profit by demanding more than what is owed. And the soldiers, soldiers are told not to extort money from people. So the fruits that are worthy of repentance consist of unconditional concern for one's neighbors. And it all comes down to sharing. This particular gospel lesson really brings into focus the purpose, the whole purpose for the season of Advent. Yes, Advent is a time of great excitement and anticipation as we prepare to commemorate the birth of Jesus, our Savior. We look forward to celebrating that wonderful and miraculous event, and we should. But with our minds so occupied with preparation for the celebration 
of our Lord's birth, it's easy to forget that our preparation must also include the preparing of our hearts in seeking forgiveness for our sins. And as John tells us, such forgiveness can only be attained through repentance, through turning our lives completely around and returning to God. You know, it's hard enough for most of us to even come to the realization that we have done things that displease God. Even when we do things we might consider less worthy of God's approval, well, human nature leads us to gloss over those things with self-justification, doesn't it? So if we have trouble identifying our misdeeds of commission and omission, how much harder it is for any of us to change our lives in true repentance. So it seems to me that the first step toward repentance then has to be that we examine our lives as though Jesus, as though Jesus, the one whom we are preparing for, that we examine our lives as though Jesus were seated next to us, walking with us through our daily routines, witnessing our conversations with others, seeing how we use the gifts that God has given us. Jesus even being privy to our thoughts. I would expect that many of us, myself included, would learn a lot about ourselves and that there are indeed things that we have done or left undone for which we absolutely must seek God's forgiveness. And that forgiveness, again, can only come through repentance. John the Baptist brought very good news to the people that the long-awaited Savior's arrival was imminent. And what may have seemed like bad news, the news that every person needed to change his or her life, may not have actually been bad news after all. You see, I believe that when we act to transform our lives to more closely resemble the life of Jesus Christ, it's then, it's then that we're at our best and in our most joyful state. I can't think of anyone I know who has ever regretted doing the right thing. Admitting our sins and repenting of our sins brings about a freedom. A freedom promised to us in God's sending of God's Son in the form of an infant to be the Savior of the world. The Savior sent to free us from the death of sin. To live in the way that Jesus taught us is freedom to live as our true selves in perfect accord with God's will. Now, John's call to repentance is not bad news. It's just another piece of our journey toward salvation. Repentance is just the way we prepare for the Lord. The Lord who's coming we celebrate at Christmas. The same Lord who will come again at an hour and a time that we cannot know. John the Baptist warns that the one who is coming will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He warns that the one who is coming <clears throat> will gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff 
he will burn with unquenchable fire. The season of Advent is a time when we look forward to the greatest gift that there can ever be. The gift of eternal life to all who believe with their hearts and their minds, and yes, with their actions, in the saving love of Christ. God's gift of love is so immense that in order to receive this gift requires our most diligent preparation. Right now, right now, this very day, it is time to make ourselves ready. So then, brothers and sisters, let us do that. Let us prepare, for the Lord is indeed coming soon. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Standing together, let us affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed, found on page 326. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, with the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of our sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. <laughs> 